Good morning to those who are coming. morning all. It's nice to see folks starting to join us. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Susan. Just a reminder to folks as folks are joining us that um, if you want to share a comment during the times when the chat is open uh, to select all panelists and attendees to make sure folks can uh, see that. Good morning. I hope everyone has their Morning drink of choice, I have my coffee with me. And good morning now to all our folks on Facebook Live as well. morning, Mary. And uh, just a reminder again for folks, if you want to make sure your message gets out to everyone, select all panelists and attendees and everyone gets a chance to see um, your comment if you'd like. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Lauren. <laughs> morning, Jeff. It's almost 1030. We'll be given a few minutes as we all get settled this morning and allow a chance for everyone to have time to join us. I know it takes me a few minutes. I'm never the one that's uh, the first one signed on to most things.
Good morning, Trang. Good morning, Kate. And Shirley. Good morning, Carl and Emily. And just a reminder for folks as you're joining us, um, if you want to make sure your comment gets out to everyone, go ahead and select all panelists and attendees. And that makes sure that everyone can see your comment and has a chance to say good morning to you as well. Good morning, Sarah and Patty from Pennsylvania, and Judy and Randy. And good morning, Joe from Massachusetts. Sounds good. Good morning, Christine. I'm just having fun saying good morning to everyone, so I'm off to a good start myself. <laughs> I hope everyone's having a nice weekend, and uh, we'll wait a few more minutes to give a chance for everyone to attend um, and to log in this morning. Good morning, Naomi, and let's see. All right, so we're going to wait a few more minutes and uh, get started, but we do have a jam-packed morning where uh, we have a lot that we want to fit in today. So we'll get started in a couple minutes. And um, I'm very much looking forward to everything we have in store. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Perry. Good morning, Shelby and Maddie. And uh, for those just joining us, just uh, a reminder, if you wanna make sure to all, there you go, Shelby, you've, you've got it covered. <laughs> but if you do wanna make sure a message gets to um, out to everyone, um, go ahead and select that all panelists and attendees. And we'll have periods of this morning where the comment and the chats will be open and looking forward to seeing that and hearing that dialogue. And then later uh, in the platform address, we'll have some a period where we won't have the chat on and then um, we'll have a chance to all talk again together. Good morning, Eileen. And Todd, we have a couple of folks from Pennsylvania this morning. That's great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. It's about 10.34, maybe we'll wait one more minute. It looks like we're leveling off in terms of folks joining us. Good morning, Mary, good morning, Johnny, and let's see, Tima, and uh, Vincent. Hope everyone's been well. 
Right. Well, I know I'm excited to get started. All right. Good morning to all who are here. It looks like we've leveled off in terms of folks joining us. Start with our opening words this morning. Stay together and stick together. Uh, Reverend Rod Richards adapted. We who gather here in this tender and anxious and confusing time, we have been awash in a sea of information and misinformation and disinformation. And this information that we seek is simply so that we may make wise decisions about how we respond and learn how we hold one another when we can't hold one another and decide how we can be when we can't be together. What is this we face? How best do we respond? And why is this happening? The why, the why, the why. And why do those who suffer so suffer most, always suffer, suffer most from what we face? Why? And what can we do for those who are most at risk, most vulnerable at, the, at this time and now again? And how do we respond and how do we hold one another when we can't hold one another? And how do we stay together and stick together when we can't be together? Yet we are, here we are, we are here together. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Brian Pashigian and my pronouns are he, him. I'm so glad that you are here this morning. Even as we gather in new ways, it is good to be together. Visitors and guests, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link in his email and his email in the chat. And we hope you join us after the platform service for our Zoom coffee hour for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you do not want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it on your device by clicking on the red dot in the upper left of the chat box, clicking on the chat icon and at the, at the top or bottom of your screen, or even just sticking a post-it note on the screen where the chat is. Low tech works, works best sometimes. And now I invite Sarah Morris to read our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. Each week we spotlight a West group or team that relates to our current theme. In keeping with the summer theme of collaborators and co-conspirators, I invite the leader of, the West, of West's auction team, Sarah Morris, to read our statement of purpose. Sarah and her merry band of mischief makers are hard at work these days, trying to figure out what an auction could look like in the age of the coronavirus. I know that anything they will come up with will be a lot of fun. Thank you, Brian. 
The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and all those who this country's promise has yet to be fulfilled since its founding. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. This morning, we are keeping things a little bit tighter on time to allow uh, the most time for our main platform address to be in the form of a film. We are so excited to welcome Jay Exodus, AKA the ethical evangelist, leader within the American Ethical Union. Um, they are a PhD candidate in interdisciplinary arts at Ohio University and is the founder of Frequency House Productions, endorsed by the Mosler Fellowship. We're so excited to have you, and we are going to have an opportunity to have Jay introduce the film, and also have a Q&A with Jay after the platform ends, right here, staying on this link. So I'm gonna turn it over now, and I'm very excited to have the opportunity to view this all together. Okay. 
Hi, family, uh, beautiful people. I hope a good morning to you. All of those wonderful things. I'm sure that you were probably like, oh, it's early morning and we get to watch a film. Yes, we're starting off with like a matinee for real, right? Um, but in the end, I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to give you, an, you know, just kind of open up the space a bit because we're in a very interesting time uh, again, right? Uh, and I think we are at this point gotten to a place where we are globally fed up with racism in this, in this entire globe. And, this, and, and now we are seeing and identifying racism as a pandemic in itself. So we just came out of one and now we're stepping back into the other that we've had to constantly keep revisiting. Uh, and so here we are and here's Humanitas. And what is Humanitas gonna offer in this time? Well, it's not one of those kind of, let me tell you how to deal with racism today. It's not one of those films that's gonna sit back and pat you on the back and maybe fit, make you feel good. This is about you bringing your thoughts around racial analysis to the table. This is a moment where you get a chance to look at yourself as maybe one of these characters, maybe one of those persons, maybe you are maybe the fly on the wall in this case. Uh, and I want to take the opportunity to share that with you. Humanitas starts off with the story of W.E.B. Du Bois, who was a, um, a Black historian and scholar and basically a sociologist. Uh, and his work, his relationship with also Felix Adler, our founder of the ethical culture movement, and of course, the social ethicist over at Columbia College at the time, which is now Columbia University. Uh, and um, him and his relationship within a very small time frame. Uh, but that's normally what movies do, right? They take that and stretch that time frame out. I am actually playing with time. And one of the things of, of playing with time is a thing called Sankofa. Uh, Sankofa means and is a um, is often known as an indinkra symbol, which means to go back and fetch it. So we're going to play with a little bit of history. And we're going to take a little bit of 1910 and bring it to 2017, 18. 19, right? And so we're going to mix up this moment of kind of creativity and wondering what does Adler do today? What does Adler do or possibly let us look at ourselves now? And what does ethical culture as the movement do today to begin to really reveal the beauty and share in the beauty and the capacity of what I call cultural pluralism? Really, which is honoring the inherited work of one another, which is kind of a fancy definition, right? So um, we're probably familiar with that. But in the end, what we see is these characters go through a series, small series of events, small things that play into our conscious. And hopefully, as you see, you'll see relationships between maybe patriarchy, um, maybe queerness. In addition to race, how do those things play out? You'll probably feel that, mm, what does it feel like to be the only baby white person in the room for the first time? Never had that happen, probably. But the more that we continue, particularly with rest, which is so monumental in its approach to committing itself to anti-racism, this is a great opportunity to take this film and see it as a ritual practice, a recommitment, a recuperation of time, and recuperation of time a restoration of space and owning that moment to know that we are human together. But while we are human together, 
that we've got to figure out how to sometimes best respond in this relationship with racial diversity, with queerness, with gender, with all, even disabilities, it's all there in the space. And so this film will probably get you to think. I hope that you bring your thinking to the table and I hope that you bring your openness to it as well. That is actually how we heal, when we are open. It's one of the most beautiful tools that we can have as we continue to learn and be courageous learners in this space. Um, I'm glad to answer any questions. I don't wanna hold you up because I know some of you have seen it, some of you haven't, some of you have seen it before. And like I said, being that this film is identified as a ritual, we want to recap where the script becomes a mantra, where the film itself becomes something played out in your own normal life. And you begin to reconnect with your community, with yourself, with the world, and realize that you have the ability to make everything that is ugly, everything that is hateful, everything that is unjust, you have the ability in you to show that love, that justice is in public. Let's go for it. All right, folks. So a little bit of instruction here. We wanted to make sure that everyone could view this film smoothly. And so I'm gonna give some instructions on how to do that best. We found that it's not gonna be the best way to stream it over the Zoom platform here. To watch the movie, we want folks to use a web browser to visit a um, link that we'll put up in the chat as shown on the screen right there. This will open up YouTube and take you directly to the Humanitas, uh, Humanitas view, uh, movie. If you want to watch using your cell phone, you can also open your camera program and point it at the square QR code that's on the screen right now. We wanna give folks a lot of options to do this, but with anybody who needs assistance, we can answer questions in the chat. You should also get an alert asking if you want to open the video. Once you have the video showing on YouTube, leave the Zoom call and come back here in 48 minutes. And so we're going to say that is um, 11.30, let's say 11.40, uh, 11.38, um, 11.40. And we want to get back here so that we can continue our platform. And we're going to also make sure we have our um, Q&A um, with Jay to answer questions and have some discussion about the film after platform. In a few minutes, we will start showing the film, the movie here also on Zoom, but the quality will be very much better if you watch it directly on YouTube. So we're going to show it here in case you have any technical difficulties at, at, um, with your devices, but we really encourage everyone to go to the website, use the QR code, and watch that and we will give 48 minutes for that and the Facebook live stream will be disabled during the movie. So that is um, yep, 11 um, 38 we will start back with the platform here so make sure you join us back at the same link you joined for the first time. Thank you. I'm excited.
Let me pull up the chat and see how folks are doing with that. Thank you, Sonia, for putting up the link. Okay, great. Trang, thanks for that feedback. Wonderful. Um, and Sue, if, uh, if you can click on one of those links and um, using uh, your computer or your device that you're listening to us now, And again, we'll play it here um, momentarily. It will not be great uh, quality played here, but we'll play it here momentarily just in case. And really, when it comes to any of these technical questions, just listen to whatever you see Sonia say there in the chat. <laughs> Our resident expert making this morning happen as well. All right, I think we'll start here, um, but remember, We have all these wonderful, lovely people, and we are open to comments, right? This is the time, yeah, where we're going to have a chance to share our own reflections on the platform and what resonates in our own lives. Um, I invite you to share in the chat, and what we're going to do is be able to share our comments and conversation a little bit now and some of our reflections, and then we'll have, um, after the platform ends, we'll have an opportunity to open up for a question and answer. And I know that my own experience watching the film was that spurred a lot of thought and questions and look forward to that conversation at the end of platform today. Um, so if you, if you want to now take an opportunity to share some thoughts and reflections that you had in the comment, I'll share some of those out loud. I'll read some of those. Um, otherwise, um, we'll take some time now and then we'll take plenty of time later. Jay has been very uh, gracious, gracious and generous with their time after the platform to spend, um, to answer any questions and have that discussion. And I see a note from Nancy sharing that uh, it's fun <laughs> to see Hugh Taft Morales there in the, uh, making a cameo. Um, I enjoyed the trickster element, playing with time, sharing race, class, gender, and queerness. And from Judy, Sharon, Stanley, and Ellen, Annie K, and Richard K, and Bill L too. All the folks that they're recognizing that were at the end of the film, very cool. Mm -hmm. Shelby sharing, amazing. Thank you for that ride. So much to absorb, reflect on, and sit with. I know I feel similarly, Shelby. A lot there and a lot to take in. It's definitely, Shay, you mentioned this earlier, kind of a, something to see more than once to really be able to absorb it all, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I mean, honestly, and it's funny, just in this past, since February, the film has been in constant rotation and I've had to speak at so many different places and I keep watching it too. I watch it too and I like 
you know, you would assume that, oh, like there's a script and there's a, there was no script. There was none of that. So just, it's really beautiful to hear it because then you hear it fresh and you keep, I, I, I dive in further and dive in further with also some things that I didn't even realize that I was, that was there. Um, and I, I think, I think that is, that's one of the most beautiful things about this work is that in many ways, you know, we, what anyone's seeing where Adler is in this dark place, it's black heaven. And in many ways I write about that. And as I'm even doing my scholarship now, I talk about, you know, for years, human, the humanist movement has particularly, especially at Adler, invested in enlightenment. You know, and in, I think enlightenment is amazing, uh, you know, in its own right. It offers rationale, it puts things in categories so that we better understand the world. But then when you do an endarkenment though, an endarkenment is just like black heaven. It is the interconnected self and the things you cannot immediately categorize within you. And you begin to really have to sit with who you are, what makes you, what makes you love yourself? What makes you upset with yourself? What you know, and and that that we don't always sit with. Uh, like I tell people, you know, you can't read your what you can't read your way out of racism. You can't learn. <laughs> you can't do it. You've got to have relationship. You've got to figure out what are your real, authentic relationships with yourself, in addition to those around you. Well, with those thoughts, I'll share a few more comments and we will um, take this opportunity to finish some of the platform address and we'll open up to the question and A after, after that. Um, I just want to be able to add that um, Karen shared that I love that my mind had to fill in the dialogue. I was a participant. It really brought me in. Um, and Judy sharing fascinating, interesting and exhausting. And I uh, thank you from John for the film, Jake Dakin, and um, that from Nancy, uh, this is a very different way to look at things, not abstract and intellectual, but rather a very symbolic, spiritual, visual way to talk about interior things. And from Laura sharing, going, Laura Taylor sharing, going further, I think this is a way to move towards holding so much of this at once. Peter, Peter Bishop shares, I appreciate Jay saying, that there was no script because that captures for me some of the difficulty of understanding the film. I really appreciate that. It, it um, appreciate it as Jay's statement and discussion of the issues of today. I also know that Jay is very artistic. He can use good words, but less so in this film. Um, a lot there to take in for sure. And um, I um, um, have some questions coming in. So what I'll do is I'm gonna finish some of the platform um, some of the uh, completing today's morning, and then we'll move forward into questions. I'm very excited for that. Um, with that being said, um, just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we give half of all donated cash to a program whose values resonate with our own ethical culture principles. This month, we are sharing the plate with Black Lives Matter DC. They are a um, radical collective of black artists, infrastructure builders, and movement healers and strategists from the future, organizing in the here and now around two movement equations. These equations inform how we live as our highest selves 
while dismantling white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, imperialism, and the role the state plays in supporting them. On the screen, you'll see a, an opportunity to um, goodbye text. If you're a visitor here this morning, we invite you to be our guest today. We appreciate every person's, each person's generous giving as they are able. You'll see we have the goodbye text options and you can also make a gift online through the donate button at our website. Thank you to so many, so many people who helped create this morning's time together. Our tech host, Sonia, our speaker, Jay, and our musicians um, coming up. And um, I want to bring us um, to our opportunity um, to also share a few announcements. So um, just to review the process for, the, for this uh, after, after our meeting here, we are going to um, open up the coffee hour. So that is available. Um, I believe it may be even available now to start. And, um, but we want to give this space um, to hold for the question and answer. And I want to um, thank those who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. Um, and all of you for being here to view the film and to continue this discussion. And for those who want to join coffee hour and um, who are going to stick around for the question and answer. Um, I want to invite you now to sing along at home with our closing song. Also, as you can see on the screen, we have a few of our Zoom check-ins in the coming week. you to join me in our closing words this month. Let us go into the week ahead 
listening, learning, and taking action, working towards solidarity across the world and with each other. And if you're interested in staying right here, we'll have the Q&A starting in just a moment, or feel free to go to the coffee hour and look forward to continuing the discussion. I know there's already questions lined up. So we'll just give a moment and folks, um, I'm gonna do my best to pitch the questions um, from the chat to Jay. And thank you all for being here with us this morning. So, Jay, if you're uh, if you're ready, I'll share. Um, let's see. First question. Um, we had a question um, when Jay screen screened this with West members a few weeks ago. Can remind from uh, jo Joanna um, Amanda's daughter. She asked, "What would ethical culture be like if Felix Adler was black?" Yeah, um, and so, and I think uh, I remember this. This uh, it was a, it was very very powerful um, because in many ways, a lot of times when we immediately go into looking at this film, you know, uh, one of the things I think we would have a different ethical culture. Number one, um, I think we would have a different dialogue around social ec economics uh, and race and. Um, um, just, I mean, even even the, the the possibility of even, you know, clerical care or pastoral care, how we do that work here, um, I think a lot of that would shift. Um, but I also have to admit that you know I had to be very transparent that in many ways, and you know, seeing the overall experience that Adler goes through, being the only white person in a space of color. You know, those are things that I experience on a regular, and I, um, you know, I in many ways am like Adler in that space when I am in ethical culture, um, and that there are not many that that look like me, and though there are not, you know, I I have been willing to sit with and work with and learn new ways of being, and um, you know, I, I wasn't born into the movement of humanism. I, knew nothing of it. I grew up in a Pentecostal home and, <laughs> and that was real for me. That was an experience for me. But I, you know, I, I think in many ways, just, just my love for, for wanting to serve people and meet them where they are, that, that is also what I try to bring through Adler's, you know, in this case, this practice of Adler here is, is, is this moment of really being with people where they are and really in many ways creating a relationship that in many ways requires not only um an uprightness but also an interconnectedness um you know where we do we can share in the human experience and though we will never walk into somebody else's shoes we will be able to in many ways support them as they are marching in the shoes Right, uh, so I think that that's important uh, in this work. That yeah, Adler in, in, in many ways is me uh, in this film. Thank you. I uh, 
I was wondering who, you know, who was, this is my own, you know, question in terms of some, seeing some of you in the film in terms of um, even some of the tricksters uh, <laughs> and, and different pieces, you know, with different folks in that. So it's very interesting to. Uh, yeah. Say. No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, and, and the trickster, I mean, the trickster is such a unique character. We don't, um, you know, and this is also the first time um, that honestly African-based wisdom is placed in conversation with human, with humanism, right? I mean, that is most of the time, you know, humanism is rooted in this, these dialogues as if we don't have a, like a kind of an inter-wisdom connection, like there are different ways of knowing. I mean, if I really want to, you know, if, if I had, you know, I mean, really laid the laws, like, yeah, I mean, we see the character as chance, which is, you know, the character's name as a trickster, you know, and as we think about when people walk through the day, you know, I, you know, there are some who will go, oh, you know, by chance, I saw this person today. And by chance, I did this, right. And then, but, you know, for, for, for those who come and particularly those who came from the, you know, through the transatlantic, um, you know, enslavement process, that, that, that trickster is, has always existed in culture and particularly African based spirituality culture. Uh, and it's actually in, and so this trickster is often known as Ilegba, who is always at the crossroads, right? Um, constantly helping you, you know, you puts you in a decision-making process all the time. It's all your, all your choice though. I'm just, you know, but you're in the center, right? And so I think, um, that's why I also, even in my own leadership, I, I, I don't, I think we can be so rational and we can go right in to like, this is what you should think about this. I, I, I want people to bring their thinking to the platform. I want people to bring not only their thinking, but then their curiosity. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit as humanists to sit in our curiosity, to enjoy that, to enjoy our imagination. And, 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 and realize that our imagination is an act of intelligence. I mean, why else do you want to go on the moon? Why? Because you imagined it? Not because you had some great science idea. No, you go because you imagine, I want to go there. What does that look like? It starts there. It doesn't start because I'm a brilliant person and I want to go to the moon. <laughs> you know, I think those are very important things when we sit with the trickster. The trickster is also a way to help us reimagine ourselves in, in a world that is pushing for common expectation. I like that idea of uh, kind of the inspiration behind, you know, you need that first and then you can apply all the intellect and all the research that it takes to do that and to make it happen. But what's the uh, originating, you know, drive behind it? Yeah. Um, I have a question from Shelby. What do you think African culturalism can teach and how can it intersect with humanism and ethical culture? I feel oh. like it brightens it and expands what we think both are. My love is always about decolonizing humanism. <laughs> like, it's not that it won't be humanism anymore, but it will just be, it will open up this, this in many ways, this kind of, um, um, rigid makeup, and, and, and I think in many ways, it, and when I say makeup, let, let's just be real, some things are just semantics, it's just language. 
we we have a way of of you know kind of wanting to hold that this is this is what the space is but ethical culture is very unique it has the ability it has a there's some flux and you can kind of move with it and you can kind of dance with it so why do i bring this in because i think i appreciate african-based wisdoms because i mean when we say ubuntu i am because we are that's a very standard humanist ideology but a lot of times just semantics so if i said that to you then it would be not you know nothing new i think in many ways you know some we have that space to kind of begin to use other non-western ideas and explore them they don't not every and 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 i go i can go and I, I, you know, depending on my audience, right? If, if this, if, if this be the case that I'm talking to ethical culture, well, then it is African-based wisdom, and I honor wisdom because wisdom is experience. But then there is those who, if you catch, if you, if you're around those who actually are in the constant practice, then it is African-based spirituality. Nowhere, though, is it ever a theology. Hmm. <laughs> It is, it is that of a philosophy. And if we use, you know, kind of the art historian, Dr. Uh, Andrea Frona, uh, she talks about African-based, um, African-based, um, like I, this idea of, this, of, of wisdom as a way of spirituality. And she says that spirituality is the recuperation of time, the ceremony of space, right? Commemoration of it. And, and then, right. So time and space play in that. And many times, much of that is just our memory, which is also from our experience, which is also our wisdom. And if we think about that, we hold our, our memories are in many ways, our spirituality, they reclaim time for us. They help us restore ourselves. But that is not normal as a way of thinking about how we talk about spirit because it's so taboo, but it's really a like it's really just semantics. And I think that in many ways we can learn so much more about embracing other acts of wisdom, other ways of knowing, and you know, and other in in some cases when I talk about it, I say, you know, what is what is the thing worth knowing, right? If we're doing this work, what is worth knowing? Not just a way of knowing. What is worth knowing? Let's teach that. Um, so yeah. Well, in uh, a perfect segue, first, uh, Shelby said yes very early on in your uh, decolonization of humanism. Um, and then uh, a great segue in terms of talking about memory and how it um, interacts and explains uh, or retells the story. Peter asks, um, Shay, thank you for telling us about your Pentecostal background. I saw the strength of the, of the congregation in Ghana but I also experienced it as a young college student. Their appreciation of strong feelings and experiences is important to bring up to humanism, to bring to humanism. I have done some of this in my own small way. Mm. Can you comment about some of your um, background and what, what pieces of that do you feel like um, you bring or continue through the threads of um, your film and your person's personal self? Yeah. Yeah, um, 
Well, well, for me personally, I mean, you know, I think it's funny because, I mean, being raised Pentecostal, um, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm, I, I don't really have a religious trauma or if you will, like, I don't, I can't really speak to like religious abuse, which I, I respect those who do have that experience. And, and when I say that, I also affirm that that is a very real experience for people and we have to hold space for that. Right. I think the other thing is, is that there is, um, so for me with my Pentecost, my Pentecostal experiences, I did not grow up in the, um, in, in, in what many would call Pentecost as they see it today. The, they, you know, if I may, pause just for a second, look at this. Okay, I can't do this without talking about this because I think in many ways, every time I talk about this, so probably many people are like, what is this? What did he just bring him to the stage? I brought this, which is a washboard. I have had this since I was a child. This was a piano in my congregation. This was a drum. It was everything. I am not used to being in spaces where I know everybody loves gospel music. This was my gospel music. This was what we sang. When we sang songs like Come By Here, which is a Geechee language from Angola, from the Angola people. Like this, this is what I know. This is not just, this is not, Pentecost is a theological word. So I just want to be very clear about that, even though I use that term. I want, because I need to place people somewhere. But this is, this is the ancestors of the enslaved. This shows creativity. This shows brilliance. This shows a lot of heart to live. And I don't think that there's any way for me to talk about that experience unless I go back to this. So everything that I do now, in many ways is a springboard of what this as an archival piece or an artifact fact to many is the influence for much of what this film was. It starts from not knowing there are no keys here. I cannot categorize this, but I can feel it. And Audre Lorde, the poet, says, our founding fathers gave us, I think, therefore I am. But the mother, the poet, she says, I feel, therefore I am free. And so when I approach humanism and when I approach this kind of connection between maybe what we would like to identify as Pentecost. This, this is this is holiness, folk. These are these are all like my pastor. She was she only learned from third grade. I kept that relationship ever till I was fourteen. After that, me and my parents went to a different church, and we got involved into the whole new evangelical movement, and that was a whole hot heap of a mess. And I did not like it, and it has never connected with me as this has connected with me. And so when I bring this, to, when, I, when I come to ethical culture, I bring that, I, I, bring, I bring memories of my ancestors. I, I bring meaning out of the thing that looks meaningless. 
I, I, I hope to be as open to the thing that looks empty as it is to me and create with it. It's philosophical possibly, but in many ways it's what we do all the time. You know, we are, if we just become more open, that's, I, I think we, we find ourselves experiencing what I call a holy curiosity, which is what in many ways Pentecost is, you know? Um, and so in many ways, that's what this film does. The film is a kind of a holy curiosity. It's, it's made to make you a little confused, but curious. And it's made to also make you courageous and maybe at the same time be like, that doesn't work for me. And it's okay. Because in many ways, there is no language. And if you know anything about Pentecost and holiness folk, you know, we like to speak in tongues. What happens when there are no languages? How do you find your language in it? That is what heavenly, that is what a heavenly conversation looks like. A conversation on, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't know what you mean. I don't know how, did you mean to do it that way? Did you mean to do it this way? And you're having in many ways an exchange of exploring knowledge, which can be very convoluted very confusing until you decide to put it in meaning. This has new meaning. It's always had. So that's why I think I had to bring that out. So sorry, Brian. Yeah. No, that, uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I, I'm going to jump in the comments and share from Vincent. Uh, Jay, I also grew up Pentecostal. That washboard really took me back. So. <laughs> uh, I think it was a good uh, a good point to make. Um, I have three questions um, in queue. Uh, will, does that work for your time, Jay? We're good. Okay. We're good. I'm open. Um, okay. So let's do those three, and then we'll see where we are with time. But I think um, um, we'll respect your time and, and the time we have here this morning. Um, this is from... Uh, Josh, uh, Joshua Duffin, I was impressed by the scene where Du Bois uh, was stopped by the police and how clear it was that the violence of that encounter wasn't erased when the cop turned out to want an autograph from him. Was this inspired by something Du Bois uh, wrote about his own experience of being perhaps a celebrity but still subject to, um, to the way that whiteness affected him in the world? Yeah, um, so in many cases, uh, Du Bois had, so Du Bois is actually uh, situated between two stories. Uh, and he's also, uh, but personally, you know, for his own life, uh, there are documents where he had, a, you know, he was offered to speak many places. And they just assumed that they could pay him whatever he could get. Uh, in one case, he goes to Cornell, and he ends up, um, being he's um he's actually offered by cornell to come and speak um for 75 dollars and he responds back to cornell explaining that it is not enough and that he was not going to come and speak and particularly that he was worth more and i appreciate that because that let me know that that, that Du Bois had an understanding of his worth as a, 
as a black intellect and as a black scholar adding to the conversation of race. And even if, you know, the work was, you know, even then was needed, he knew his worth. It wasn't like, we just gonna call any black person, we gonna call Du Bois and just give him some pocket change. Mm -mm, du Bois was like, no, mama ain't having that, right? This is the real thing for, for many of us. I think we need to sit with the fact that like, the, the, the way that Du Bois situates himself in that scene is also rooted in people like that police stopping scene, Henry Louis Gates. Um, Henry Gates Lewis, I'm sorry, um, Junior, uh, and he and and him as a professor being pulled over by police, right? In his own near his own home, being arrested. Why? They never seen a black man in the neighborhood. That's what happens, right? Uh, so we see the same thing. So that I'm playing with that. I'm also playing with Dr. Cornell West when he was pulled over by a police officer, and the police officer said, he says that well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a professor professor of, uh, of religion and philosophy. And the police officer says, when pigs fly. So, right, these conversations have been in existence even with those who are in the academy. And I think what, what you, and, and Victor Turner, which is where this kind of sums up this idea, Victor Turner talks about counter-ritual. He was an anthropologist. Uh, and he talks about counter-ritual uh, during performance. Um, and that a counter ritual in many ways is to change what we normally know. So being black while driving and being black while being policed, I, I decided to take that moment of all those scholars and the history knowing, knowing the boys. It's, that's why I said, it's very convoluted. You got to watch it like multiple times because, <laughs> because then what you see is then this changing of the narrative. And mind you, the smoke of those we've lost going across the page. And then we're introduced with another idea of calligraphy where Du Bois writes his name, right? And he writes his name. My grandmother would say, well, you want to sign your, your, your name in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. That was, that was a way of signifying that you had done a good work. So the reason why Du Bois signs is because he's signing the good work. He's signing into the goodness of life. Um, and so in many ways, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm really interested in this movement now as I talk presently. I'm interested in, in this movement. I'm not interested in people saying names of people we've lost. I am encouraging people to write the names of the people we've lost that their name is not in vain, nor was their purpose in life, but it is something concrete. We honor Western scholarship because of writing. Non-Western constructions say that we rest in the truth of the oral tradition. But Western, if we want to think about America as a Western construct, we need to start writing the names. Mm. Because saying the names is one thing, but writing them, this will never be forgotten. And I think that that's important. Um, and that's why I'm very happy about seeing signs, the streets being laid out with Black Lives Matter and, and the list of names being written out on the streets. It's, it's important. And, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad because in many ways, if I can't have a real, a, a little, a little uh, sacred text moment, but 
The streets are literally painted with gold of Black Lives Matter. If that is not the most symbolic, most powerful, resonant thing to really offer healing, we've, you've, there's something powerful about that and seeing that as an, as an artist, as an artist. And, I, and, you know, even if it's not your, 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 your faith construction or your faith tradition, there's something very powerful about seeing streets written in gold with Black Lives Matter. That is a very powerful revolutionary tool. I imagine, um, I know for myself, when I see uh, things and they're going to have some permanence, uh, it just brings to the forefront easier in my mind when um, that's a constant challenge is to keep that in the forefront versus letting it um, recede as uh, the word disappears. <laughs> um, I, uh, I have um, two more questions for you and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to uh, ask um, from John Dakin, um, in watching the film, I found myself joining Adler as he plunges into blackness. Jay, do you have any suggestions for a continuation of that journey? Thank you, yes, this is great. This is like, yes, like, are you telling me you wanna do some investigation? Like, yes, like, right, this is, Thank you, because that's why I tell people, you cannot read yourself out of racism. It's just not possible. You have to want to embody this work. You do. That is why Adler goes there, because he has to come out of himself, be stripped, and put in a place where he has to literally hear the echoes. Felix, Felix, do you want to know about blackness? Like, it's... It's constant. It's constant. And it is, it, is a, it is a path. It is a path. It is a path of knowing. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say that you're going to know everything because it's not going to make you, you know, systemic oppressive proof. It's not, right? <laughs> right, right, like... You're not going to be, you know, we just need to be transparent about that because I know we want an answer. We want to fix it and we want to gloss it. And I want to tell you now, if you are really wanting to do this work, number one, I do say relationship. Well, when I say relationship, I actually mean to actually get to a place in which you are willing to invest in building those tough conversations that also may require for you to check your biases, but at the same time, enough where you say, I am open, even if I make a mistake. I love my white liberals. I love y'all. Y'all reading, honey. Y'all got this knowledge. Y'all got more knowledge than I do on race sometimes. I'm like, oh. That's some good stuff. What book are you reading? You know, but in many ways, it's not a head thing. It's a heart and a body thing. And it's got to line up. And that's, and that, and that requires relationship. That requires relationship with your own body. What are you comfortable being vulnerable with? W.E.B. Du Bois wrote, what is it? What does it, what, um, how does it feel to be born a problem? That's very hard 
for individuals who have inherited a system that does not see themselves as a problem. And so this is where this is where we have to do the work because when you realize that you've been born a problem, right? This is the this is the the black experience. Because systemically, and women know this experience, they're born a problem. They're born a problem because they're not in a man's world, right? But but if we decide to really keep going in, and particularly those those persons who can pass through this system, as we speak about trans people living their lives in their full capacity, as they move through, see, house ball community, all of that, that this is all wrapped up in, the, in this film in many ways. You've got to honor the fact that there are some people who can pass because they can survive, they can cover their tone, they can fix their accents, they can do all of these things. You can educate yourself almost out of the system. What I'm saying to you now is get in relationship with yourself, know how you survive this system, know that you have been in many ways, you, you inherit this system, and as a result of inheriting it, anyone who does not fit the dominant narrative we need to be concerned for. And that concern and that compassion and that courageous conversation, concern, compassion, and courageous conversation in many ways begins to stir authentic relationship. Because the person who was born a problem is already exposed and already vulnerable. Can you do the same thing? That is what Adler is doing. He is exposed and vulnerable. And he is painted to receive new forms of knowing. He dances and tries, even if he doesn't have it all right. And he's uncomfortable. After a while, he doesn't even look like he's dancing at all because he's caught up in his fears. You've got to be willing to take the risks, to have the courageous conversation, to sit in the concerns and to offer compassion. That is relationship. That is right relationship. Thank you for that question. I can only try to channel some of the reactions to what you've shared. Um, I just want to share with you that several people um, have shared, wow, that idea of being born a problem, what it's like to be born a problem and how impactful that is. Um, uh, Mary, Shelby, um, and Vincent all shared those thoughts. Um, and, and also just reflecting on um, John shared that it's not a head thing, that it's a heart and body thing. Um, I, I read a, uh, a post or a quote recently about the idea of, you know, you, you need the education, but you can't read anti-racism books and that's, that's all that you need to do to become um, anti-racist. And um, that resonates for sure. Yep. Um, I, um, several other people sharing that they, um, uh, they like the statements, that they feel those statements. Um, and Joe sharing that that sounds like the title of Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. Yeah, similar very similar. To that, um, that feeling. Um, I do want to, um, 
let's see, we'll do one last question and, uh, and get wrapped up here today. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to the time, kind of, not really. Uh, <laughs> and thank um, you for all of you who are in this, and, and I appreciate it because I, the, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, I, and I appreciate y'all holding space because I, I, I know it's a lot of questions when it comes to this film. <laughs> Absolutely, I think it speaks to the thought-provoking nature of the topic, your film, um, and and you know what you, the work you put in to um, help others along the way of of reconciling all these different thoughts and emotions and feelings and holding space. And, and I know that that's a large ask of you as well. Um, I know it's one of your missions, but I know it's um, yeah. a large ask as well. So thank you. Um, I believe uh i'm gonna end here on um uh, from maceo uh jay how do you see this film being used to put a critical race lens um on other institutions um you know it, it's that's that that is a that's that's something that i have um i'm constantly in conversation with other leaders about um and other individuals within um, other sex, uh, organizational sex and stuff like that. Um, I think that this film is, is perfect to just begin to start the dialogue. I think we have a very clear understanding of what it looks like to protest. I think we have a clear understanding of what it looks like for us to get out and uh, to march and, and, and so on and so forth. I think we have a really good understanding of how, what, it, what it means to, uh, we, can, we can point out uh, we can point out people who are blatantly racist and we can point out, um, if we're careful, you know, some of, some of us are even more conscious, so we can point out microaggressions. We can do all of that. But I, 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 like, I like using this kind of way of, and performative practice. I like using performative practice because it is simply in a study of aliveness. It is what John said. I, 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 went, with, I, went, with, I went with Adler. Like that's that's important, um, and I and I think um, I th I think we don't have enough genres or approaches to dialogue um, that allow for us to just rest in the nuances. You're not gonna like what everybody else is probably gonna ask or say or think. You'll probably be like, well, that's a dumb question. We, this is a classroom of learning here, right? At this moment, <laughs> you know, how dare you ask that question? You know, I think that that's what this, you know, institutions struggle because they, they, they wanna stamp and approve. Starbucks is like, oh, I wanna, you know, okay, we're gonna make sure that we, you know, do it this way. We get an apology letter and we're, we're done. That's what institutions wanna do. They just wanna apologize and make it okay. Um, I am okay with us sitting in our discomfort. I I encourage that even within the AEU at large. Like, let's be transparent. Let's do some truth. Let's do some reconciliation. Let's do some accountability. Like, and understand that like in doing that work, like if we really care, and if we really say that we're doing this work as a community and as a group and as an institution and as an organization, we're doing it because we love each other. James Baldwin said, I, you know, I, I critique America because I love it. I do the same thing with, my, with this movement. And I think that, you know, I, I will be honest, as much as I want to use this for other institutions, I would love to see this be an in-house thing first. I would love to see this, see it not be a thing where it's like, 
this is strictly ethical culture, but I think that in many ways we can start there and we can start building congregational accountability in, uh, or organizational accountability by pushing on, um, pushing on our relationships with some of these, these corporate gurus who now want to use Black Lives Matter as Black Lives Marketing, right? And bring back the ethic to ensuring that we are speaking justice and not speaking propaganda, right? We got to do that work. That, you know, that's where we come in. We come in because we're doing this work to carve out this thing and say, hold on, let me, I'm, I'm questioning your moral to that. I'm questioning your ethic to that. I'm questioning your, your, your intention because I see what you're trying to do, but this is how it's coming off. We have the ability in this movie to do that. And I guarantee you this, there are a lot more corporate companies and a lot more institutions that are open to hearing us offer those kind of critiques because we're doing that inward critique here. So when we call out something, we're not calling it out because we, we want to make, make a show. We call it out because we want to hold the people accountable because we care. Uh, that's where it's rooted. So I, I think that we keep doing this work and we, and we keep doing it so that we can, we actually begin to flip capitalism on its head and then we begin to flip, uh, you know, um, the, the idea of, um, of, of suffering that many are going through on its head by actually putting the moral compass at the center of all of this. So this work is important as it relates to other institutions and it will, and it will continue to be important, but we've got to start in house uh, because we've got a moral compass. Well, on that note, thank you so much for basically two platforms today to be able to have this discussion, which is so needed, but spurred on by your art and your work um, and your film. And um, I, uh, again, I just want to appreciate your putting yourself out there to help us all navigate and move forward in this process. And um, look forward to future conversations and staying in, in relationship. And um, I, I like that idea, you know, I know myself, um, there's these times where you just wanna, what can I do to then be, um, that's it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm this way I wanna be, I'm, I'm living this ethic or this value. And um, uh, the realization that it's not uh, a one-time thing for, for most things in our lives, right? So thank you so much. Um, thank you to Sonia for making this happen um, uh, technologically, behind the scenes, having this all happen and giving a lot of extra time this morning. Um, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I appreciate it. And, and Karen behind the scenes, making sure this month happens with all, keeping us all in line with uh, our mornings. Um, so for those who are still here, appreciate all of your input, your listening, your staying with us. And um, thank you and going out there into the... Uh, world and keeping this work moving i'll end it there and um thank you. Hey, you want the last word no i was just gonna say i'm just saying thank you thank you always wes it is always wonderful those who joined from um, pennsylvania thank you for showing up uh and those who just hung in here for, for this conversation i cannot express i know this i i, I hate the social distancing but i just i just love y'all I love y'all, love y'all, love y'all, love y'all. And I want, I want to see you shine. Just continue to shine. Thank you for all the love that y'all keep sending me on, on Facebook and everything. And yeah, and next Tuesday, of course, keep living. For those who join me on that, on, uh, on Facebook, 
but I just love y'all. So thank you so much. Thank you for holding space for me being radical and me being me. And I hope that I continue to do the same for you.